Well, welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're here with us today. And we are continuing our series called I Am. Look at your neighbor and say, I am. Don't finish that sentence because it might get weird, so don't, don't say anything else. But we're talking about really who Jesus said he was. I've noticed inside of our context and our culture, man, there's a lot of people who have an opinion about who Jesus was. There's a lot of movies been told about who Jesus was. A lot of books been written about who Jesus was. A lot of people who have got a lot of opinions, a lot of Facebook posts, and a lot of Instagram pictures, and a lot of things that we can say about Jesus. But uh, the Bible has something to say about who Jesus was. It tells a life uh, of him in actually four specific gospels in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And we're looking in the book of John today, uh, which is a gospel inside the New Testament. So go ahead and turn to John chapter 10. That's where we're going to be today. I want to welcome all of our first-time guests. So glad that you're here with us today. Hey, I always encourage people to come at least three times. If you're a guest with us, so come at least three times. That's my encouragement to you. So you can get kind of a feel of what our church is really like. Uh, we have two services on Sunday. So today's at 9.30. We got one at 11.15. And uh, hey, they all have different flavors. So if you, if you feel like, I don't know if I like that 9.30, try 11.15, you never know, and uh, it, they all have different services. And honestly, the second service, I say weird things in that service because by that time I start getting tired and you never know what comes out. And so, uh, uh, but it's going to be good anyway today. And then I also want to welcome all of those listening on our podcast. So glad that you're joining with us digitally on the treadmill or on the way to work. So anyway, so glad that you guys are here with us today. John chapter 10, we've been looking in this series really who Jesus said he was. In week one, we talked about Jesus saying, I am the bread of life. We talked about how Jesus can really be uh, not just make you full, but he can also make you satisfied, and that's what he was offering the people uh, inside of that day. The second week, last week, we talked about Jesus saying, I am the light of the world, and how really when he was saying that is he wanted to be able to affect the darkness in all of our lives. Have you ever noticed that the more you live in this world, the darker it seems to get? Isn't it a pretty dark place? I mean, this week we had yet another tragedy and another shooting inside a, 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 a part of our world, and you look at that, and you look at the a terrible loss of life, and you look at how dark this world can really be, and how desperately this world needs a light like Jesus Christ. And he said, I am the light of the world. And not for me to be the light of the world, I got to be the light of your world. And so this week, we're going to talk about uh, another I am statement. You're going to get two for one today, actually. It's going to be an awesome. And he, Jesus had seven I am statements. We're not going to talk about all seven in this series, but I'm going to give you two for one today. And it's going to be uh, pretty good. See, all you like that? Everybody like a deal? You don't like a deal? Get two for one. You know how y'all get something and you get to uh, the register and they gave you an extra something for free? Just me? I'm Mexican. I'm looking for a deal. All right. So it just is what it is. And so, uh, but we're, John chapter 10 is where we're going to be at today. Jesus is in the middle of his public ministry. He's done some miracles and some context of what's going on. He's right smack dab, right in the middle of what he's doing. Jesus lived 33 years. He had a three-year ministry, so he's kind of right in that middle one-and-a-half-year season. He's right in the middle of it. He's the most popular. He's the most uh, exciting. He's doing the most miracles. God's doing the most through him. And so we pick it up in John chapter 10, and uh, he kind of gets to this point, and he gives us uh, his, his what we'll call the third and fourth I am statement of our series. And he says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, uh, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. That's important. He calls to his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. I'm going to say that again. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. We'll jump to verse 7, and he says, So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. So there you go. That's our, uh, we'll say, third statement of what Jesus says. I am the door. We're going to pick that up. I'm going to talk about that at the end of our message real quick, just so you know. So we'll come back to that. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, and the sheep did not listen to them. Verse 9, I am the door. There he is again. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go out and find 
pasture. And in verse 10, he says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. How many of y'all have heard that before? You don't have to be a Christian to hear that. You know, you kind of sell that bumper sticker somewhere on someone's car. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. His purpose was to hurt you. God's purpose is to help you, to make you whole, to create life inside of you, to give you everything that you've ever desired because he gave you those desires anyway. And so he said this, he says, I came that I might have life and have it abundantly. So he, he compares and contrasts the enemy's purpose with his purpose. And then we're getting to our statement today. He says that I am the good shepherd. Everybody say good shepherd. Come on, like you got Red Bull in you this morning. Say good shepherd. Yeah, he said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. Verse 14, he jumps uh, and he says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. The title of today's message, if you're taking notes, is uh, I am the good shepherd. So let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that we're here today, not for me and for a church or for denomination or for a movement. God, we're here for you, for Jesus Christ. God, we're here because you gave us life 2,000 years ago. You made a way where there was no way, God. You showed us that in the places that you've done, uh, you can do it again. And that ultimately, God, we are waiting on not just a miracle, we're waiting on you. Heaven is created so that we can be close to you, not so that we can have your stuff. And I pray that today, Lord, we would be, uh, we would get a revelation of who you are, God. Holy Spirit, you would speak to us, take the words that maybe I've put on paper, God, transform them, uh, bury them deep into our hearts so that as time goes on, they can bring forth life inside of our soul, life inside of our spirit, and that we can walk out of here different than the way we walked in, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen. amen. You know, there's a difference between knowing someone and knowing about someone or knowing of someone. Uh, have y'all ever tried to, uh, have anybody ever met a celebrity in here? Raise your hand if you met a celebrity, just kind of like met someone's celebrity. Maybe a famous athlete, met a famous athlete in here. You know, you kind of met someone famous. I've noticed that um, as our world has gotten more social media driven, you know, we have so many friends on our social media platform and they call them friends, but they're not really friends. Have you noticed that? Um, they're not friends on how we would maybe even classify friendship as we grew up. Because as you and I grew up, when we were on the, you know, on the, uh, on the, maybe the, the playground or whatnot, you know, we had those that we connected with, and then, then we had those when we, that we were friends with. They knew our name. We had personal experience with them. We understood who they were. We kind of knew where they came from. They had our, you know, as you got older and you started getting, you know, connected and you had a phone and maybe it was, you know, something like this when you started growing up in teenager, or maybe you didn't even have, they weren't cell phones back then. Remember pagers? Y'all remember pagers? That that was the rage. I told my kids about pagers and they were like, what's a pager, dad? And they're like, is that that thing Captain Marvel has the little pager with the, it's like, that's how they know what pagers are. But they, you know, and then before that, there was no page, you know, they had like that cell phone with, it was the block cell phone. Y'all remember what that looked like? It looked like a briefcase and, and uh, it just was crazy. But, you know, friends, so many of us, we, we equate our, our, our connections relationally with those that, that we would say we know of them, but we don't, we really don't know them. Um, I remember I've, I've met many, uh, I've actually had in my lifetime been able to meet a lot of famous people. I've met them. And uh, so, you know, I've got a chance to shake their hand or have dinner with them. I met famous pastors. You know, I've, uh, I've had dinner with Rick Warren. I've sat down and connected with some of the biggest name people you've been able to meet. And what's interesting is, is I know of them, but I don't really know them, you know? It's like there's a difference. Isn't there, isn't there a difference? And you guys know of those famous people. Maybe you know some of some of the people that you would really like to meet, but you don't really know them. Uh, back in 2010, um, which was I call like the holy year, the glory year, the year of Jubilee in my mind was the year that the New Orleans Saints won the Super Bowl. And don't judge me, y'all like... 
because you're mad. You know, Dallas never won. And so, uh, and, uh, but, 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 um, well, for a while. But anyway, I remember, um, I remember when 2010, when they won the Super Bowl, um, uh, I was watching the, if you ever watched the game, I don't know if you remember this, but there's a part of the game where after halftime, the, they kicked a, a, a onside kick to kick off to start the half, the half of the period. It was one of the most dangerous calls that the NFL has ever seen. They, they said it's the craziest, wildest thing. And who came out of that pile was Chris Reese, who had the football, who recovered the football. And he became the most famous, you know, one of the most famous New Orleans Saints because he came out of the pile. And that was what many, uh, you know, many, uh, you know, specialists or, you know, news reporters say that that was the reason that they won the Super Bowl is because we recovered the onside kick. And so I remember knowing about Chris Reese and like, man, this guy would be amazing to meet and he's incredible. And, you know, and, and so, you know, they have these moments with him and I'm watching him on TV and these are the things that I'm seeing. And I'm like, that guy's amazing. He's a hero. Like that guy would be incredible to meet. And I remember, um, about, Four years later, I was at a pastor's gathering and uh, for, with, with, with my pastor, and I was there and, and walked, and guess who walks in to this pastor's gathering? Chris Reese. And so I got to take a picture with him, um, just, and that's his Super Bowl ring right there. And, uh, and so he's walking around with this Super Bowl ring because, you know, his pastor made him come and bring it to show it off. It was kind of fun. We got to take pictures with him. And uh, what's interesting now is so part of our family of churches, he's actually a campus pastor at one of our family of churches in, in uh, Louisiana now. And so, and, so, um, and, and so I went from knowing of Chris Reese, right? To then like now, I literally was just on the phone with him yesterday talking about he just had a, a brand new baby girl and he is his fifth, fifth kid. And I said, welcome to the club because I got five kids. And, you know, it's like, just make sure you, you take a lot of Tylenol, you know, because there's kids everywhere. And, uh, and so we were just talking. And so he has my number. And I, I've been, I've met him and we've done life together and we've been able to connect. Why? Because there's a difference between knowing of someone and knowing someone. Come on, you know what I'm saying? And God, when he came down and he sent Jesus, he said, Jesus said, I am the, he said, I am the, the good shepherd. And what he was offering the people was this relational connection with him rather than a mental connection with him. Because at the time, there were many religious people, there were many people who knew of God, but didn't really know God. And it might seem odd that it might be in the past, but it's very similar to the way that it is now. There's a lot of people who know of God. There's a lot of people who know about this God of the Bible. Maybe, they, maybe you saw the passion of the Christ and you feel like, wow, that was cool. And, and maybe you had a moment and you feel like, now I, I feel like I know God, but you don't pray with him. You don't go to church on a regular basis. You don't read your Bible. You don't really, you might tick off on the Facebook thing that you're Christian. You might tell people you're Christian, but you, you don't really know God. And Jesus was offering a level of relationship. He was saying, look, I know you know a whole lot about me because you've, been, you've had many years with, with people who followed the law and were very religious. And, and that could be you in here. You know, maybe you grew up that way. Maybe you grew up in a religious system. Maybe you were a part of a certain denomination. Maybe you were part of a per certain religion. Maybe you, were, you, you, were, you, know, you, you grew up since you were a baby going to this thing called, quote unquote, church and being religious and having some religion in your life, and you knew of God mentally, but you didn't know him relationally. And Jesus was saying, I would rather, instead of just being known in your mind, I'd like to be known in your heart. And Jesus sets this tone with this idea of knowing. He's, he kind of gives this statement. There's two things in this statement I want to highlight. In verse 14, he says, I am the good shepherd, 
and I know my sheep. Now he says, I know. Now that word I mentioned before, it's gnosko. It means um, to know relationally through firsthand personal experience that Bible you even uses this intimacy, this word uh, knowing to uh, describe intimacy between a man and a wife and, and a husband and a wife. Um, and, and knowing is not describing the physical act. It's describing the spiritual level and the relational connection that they have to provide the spiritual act. So knowing God in a gnosko way is saying, I want to know you and be personally, I want to go from just watching you on the television, come on, and winning the Super Bowl to now I got you in my phone, we had a conversation, and now we're in a relationship. Like that's mind-blowing for people back then. And that's, for some of us, that's mind-blowing that the God of the universe, who knows every hair on your head, would like to have a relationship with you and with me, and that there's a difference between knowing of God and, and knowing God. Even the demons know of God. Even demons know the Bible. Even demons know about God. They know it probably better than most because they, man, they're in a really violent, eternal war that they're trying to win. They know of God. The Bible even talks about it, how they know of, they know scripture. Satan used scripture against Jesus. They, they know of God, but they don't, they don't have a relationship. And so Jesus is saying, I want to go from you knowing about me and knowing of me to, to knowing me. Now, why does this matter? Knowing is incredibly important. Okay, this, is, this, this transition is important because it has an eternal factor. The eternity is hanging in the balance, and I'm going to show it to you. Matthew chapter 7, this is a different gospel. Jesus is showing, he says this, he talks to his disciples, he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. Now, he's, he's talking about the eternity factor here. He's saying, not everyone who calls me Lord will enter into heaven, but the only one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. He says, let me even double down on this. Many who will say to me on that day, Lord, we did we, we, we prophesied, we drove out demons, we performed miracles, we had church, we were religious, we called ourselves religious, we had religion, we knew about you, God, we did all these things, God, I have Jesus as a tattoo, I have that shirt that says Jesus is my homeboy, it's all good, like we, we pray once a week if we can, I try to, you know, give you a shout out whenever I win an award, God, give you love for Lord Jesus, my Savior, yo, hey, and, and I, so I know of you, he's saying, there'll be those who say that. You might be a good person. You could be religious, but you don't know me. And this is what's going to happen. Then I will tell them plainly, I never, there's our word again. I never knew you. We didn't have no relationship. You knew about me. You saw me recover the onside kick, but you don't know me by name. You couldn't call me. We don't have a conversation. We don't regularly make a, have a relationship. And when I don't know you, away from me, you evildoers, knowing God, he's saying knowing God matters. But then he, he goes on to say in that, in that sentence, he says, I know my, my sheep and my sheep knows me. Why does it matter to be a sheep? Well, he says in another part of Matthew, which is kind of interesting, Matthew chapter 25, he actually references those who know him and those who don't and correlates that with sheep and goats. So he says this in Matthew chapter 25, verse 32. He says, all the nations will come gathered before him and he will separate their people one from another as a shepherd separates. Come on, this is interesting. Y'all got to hear me now. This knowing matters. He says, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. 
that he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom of heaven has been prepared for you. And, and the, since the creation of the world, he's saying the sheeps are on the right and the goats get left. He said, there's a difference. The sheep know me because I'm their shepherd and they have access to the kingdom of heaven and their inheritance. That there's a level of knowing that actually produces not just heaven on earth, but it produces a heaven in eternity. And that we must drive, come on, we must drive to be sheep. So to summarize both passages, maybe the easiest way to say it is that sheep know God and goats know about him. That sheep know God and sheep and goats know about him. And I wanted, I don't know about you, but I, I like to go to heaven. If I had the option, you know, if the choice is mine, I choose heaven, God, rather than the opposite. And for us, I think we need to know the characteristics of what it is to be a sheep. Because I want to know God. And have you ever asked that question, like, how do you know God? Like, how do you know that you know that you know God? Well, I want to give you two characteristics today of a sheep. Since knowing is so important, since I want to make sure I'm a sheep and I ain't no goat, I want to make sure that I get right instead of get left. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? I want to sit on the right hand of the, I want to be on the right side of God. I want to know where God is. I want him to know me and I want me to know him. I want to be a sheep, which means I need a shepherd. And therefore, I need to know how to be a sheep. So I'm going to give you two characteristics today on how to be a sheep. Two characteristics of a sheep. Number one is this, a sheep know his voice. Verse four says this, when he brought, uh, when he has brought all out, all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for, this is important, for they know his voice. They know his voice. I've noticed um, as I've done, you know, kind of, I, I read, a, I read a lot and, and um, a lot of books, there are a lot of leadership books about um, just, you know, shepherd sheep relationship and how, you know, God related himself as a, uh, as a good shepherd and, and what that means for us as a sheep. And, and oftentimes for, for, for the sheep um, and, and for the shepherd relationship, the voice of the shepherd was paramount inside that relationship. The sheep, shepherd would have a, a certain call that he would be able to call to his sheep, his flock. And when he made that unique call, the sheep came. It was, uh, and it was unique. Every shepherd had their own unique call, and you could be a different, I mean, you just imagine what kind of a call you would have. It'd be yeep or woohoo or whatever you wanted to call it. It'd be whatever, whatever uh, call you would make, but you would train your sheep to listen to your call, and they would know the voice so that when the shepherd called, you would, you would follow. That, that as the sheep would often mix with other flock, the sheep would go on the other, you know, as they would take them out, they would mix amongst other sheep. They would mix amongst other animals, other goats, other areas. And when that shepherd called, the sheep responded because they, why? Because they knew his voice. How often, think about this. How often do you, if you're a follower of Jesus as a sheep, mix with others inside the world? Think about that. How often do you live your life at work? How often are we around people at HEB, which seems to be packed at all hours of the day? 
It doesn't matter if you're nine in the morning and midnight at night. There's people everywhere. How often are you caught in traffic? How often are you mixed with people inside of the mall when you're at Old Navy or you're at Nordstrom or wherever you're at? How often do you mix with people at Starbucks? How often do you mix with others around your life? Come on, in your neighborhood. How often do you feel? Have you noticed that not every person you interact with is not a follower of Jesus? Just me? And how oftentimes, if we're not careful, the very thing that, that could detour us or to run us off course is actually our ability to hear the voice of the good shepherd. Like, how are you, how are you at hearing the voice of God? How are you at when he calls your name? How are we at when he says my name? Do I recognize what he sounds like? Or is he just the guy on TV recovering the onside kick? Come on. How often do, do I really know this good shepherd? And I know oftentimes one of the main things as a pastor, what I hear most, one thing that Pastor Jason, our executive pastor, tells me, some of the things that people struggle the most with is, God, do you, I don't know if I hear the voice of God. Some of us struggle with hearing and communicating with this. Some of us just to even think about that. You know, some of you grew up in a church where you're like, you don't talk to God. Are you crazy? He's important. You ain't nobody. Come on, how many of y'all grew up in a religion like that? You, know, like, you, know, you, know, you don't question the priest. You don't question the pastor. You don't question the church. You don't question nothing. You don't talk to him. You don't have a conversation with him. What are you, who, what are you talking You don't ask God about nothing. And yet the shepherd, come on, the Bible says the shepherd know his sheep and the sheep know the shepherd. They know him by his, by his voice. If you want to know God's voice better, the voice of the good shepherd better, you need to do two things. The first thing is this. You need to adjust the frequency. You need to adjust the frequency. You have to communicate with God on a frequent basis to know his voice. That's true for everything, isn't it? I'll give you an example. The other day, my wife was, um, my, I, you know, we have these cell phones now. And y'all remember back before when um, phones didn't have caller ID? Y'all remember that? Like before it was fancy to have like a caller ID and you knew who it was so you can screen calls and not answer them. Like you had to actually answer the phone. I mean, no, some of the teenagers are like, what? Why would you ever do that? Like, no, there was a day when you actually lifted up the phone and you said hello because you didn't know who it was. Come on. They almost had like a surprise factor to it. I miss it a little bit. Sometimes I answer block calls just to see who it is. Hello. And it's always like, yeah, hello. We would like to sell you car insurance. So I know, but like, you know, there was a day when you didn't know. And so, but since we, it's not now, my wife called. And so what happened when I, my, my phone rings, uh, the shows up on my caller ID, it was my wife. And I have it as, you know, wifey with hearts all over the place and on end because I love her. And so she, she call, answers, I, I, I said, oh, my wife, she's calling me. So I'm at work, she's calling me. So I'm like, okay. So I call, I answer, hey, hey, boo, how you doing? What's up, girl? And she's like, <laughs> and, and I was like, what are you doing? You know, I love you, I miss you. Girl. I can't wait to kiss you later. You're my girl, you know? Says, Tell those kids to shut up. And so, uh, <laughs> so she says, she says, uh, hello? And I was like, Hello? And she goes, hi. And I was like, now, wait, now, 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 I, I don't know if you've ever done this before, but like when your significant other or maybe a best friend or someone you really, really know calls you and you pick up the phone and it doesn't, you can tell if it's them. Have you ever noticed that? And, and she's, she's, she's saying hello. She's doing all the things that normally happens on a conversation but it doesn't sound like my wife. And so I'm like, 
that doesn't sound like her, but I'm just going to keep playing along. I'm like, well, hey, how are you doing? She goes, good. And I'm like, this is just wrong. This doesn't feel right. Because why? Because I've talked to my wife more than probably any person on this planet Earth, right? I've had more conversations with her. I know how she sounds. Come on, I can tell when my wife, I didn't need caller ID to know if it's my wife. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, so if somebody calls you, you know really well your wife, your husband, they call you and they answer on the phone. You wouldn't even have to know caller ID because you know, because I can, I can tell you what she sounds like when she says hello, how she, her mannerisms and the tones in her voice. I know how she breathes on the phone, y'all. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. Because I talked to her so much, I knew. And so I'm like, who is this? And I hear laughing, and it was my wife's friend, and they tried to play a trick on me. Now, why didn't it work? Why didn't it work? Because I knew my wife. I know my, I know my wife's voice. That wasn't my wife. I know how she sounds on the phone. I talked to her so much that I knew when it wasn't her voice. I knew when, she, when that person was talking, it wasn't my wife. Now, now, the question you have to ask yourself is this. If you don't recognize the voice of God or don't hear the voice of God regularly, if you don't feel like you understand him or hear him or listen to him or can't really even recognize who he is, my question to you would be is how often do you talk with him? How often do we speak to God? How often do you have a moment of prayer? How often do you have a moment where you communicate with him? I mean, I know that this sounds like religious, but it's actually not. It's very relational driven. It's very different than, it's different than saying you need to go to your prayer closet and make sure you get on your knees and have a prayer moment with a prayer time, with some prayer eyes, with your prayer cloth and your prayer closet and your prayer floor with some prayer candles and incense out and make sure you're praying. There's a difference between trying to make, a, make it a religion and a system and actually just saying, you know what? I just need to have a moment with God right now. I'm just going to start talking with him. Because, in, and, and for some of us, we've overcomplicated it, right? And pastors, we make this bad on everybody. This is my fault, okay? I'm just saying like my, me as a pastor, I'm taking the hit for this one. Because pastors can sometimes overcomplicate things and make sure you guys try to jump through a bunch of hoops. Just It's like trying to dial 18 numbers before you get to God. There's no red phone to God. There's no special magic formula to God. If you're new to church in here, new to Christianity, maybe new to this whole thing called Christianity, there's some incredible scriptures about people who had moments with Jesus that that were just raw and open and honest and frustrated and sad and maybe weepy and crying and, and just like angry at times. And they're just like, God, here's my issue. I don't understand. And guess what? That's, but that's just as good, maybe even better than you trying to make sure that you had everything ready to just have a moment of conversation with Jesus. And so what I'm saying is, is in your moment with God, if you feel like you don't know his voice, adjust the frequency. You might need to spend more time with him. And so I'll tell you this, rather than spending an hour in your prayer closet every day, and that's your goal in life, rather than try, try one minute, try one minute tomorrow. You wake up, have one minute with God. Just one minute. Then the next day, hey, guess what? Do one minute again. No, pastor, I got to do like one and a half. Got to do 10. If I don't do 10, I can't do it. Holy Spirit can't move. You're limiting the power of God by your very statements of going, if I don't do this, then God can't move. Let me just tell you, God can do anything. And he can do a whole lot in that one minute with him. Then the no time you can't spend with him because you've made it so big and made the mountain so high that you can't climb it. So my, my, my plea for you as your pastor is to just spend some more time with him. If you don't pray at all, take one step to start something today. 
If you pray maybe a small amount of time, take one step today. Take one step in increasing your time with him. Why? So that your frequency can be adjusted so that you can recognize when he calls, I know that ain't you. Because the Bible talks a whole lot about testing spirits because I don't know if you know this or not, but Satan, is he's kind of a punk. He really is. He likes to use the words of God so that he can sound like God, so that he can get you messed up. And if you're not careful, he's going to call you. And he's gonna, you're going to answer that phone in your life. And he's going to be like, hey, I need you to do this. And he's going to sound like God. But he ain't. And the only way you're going to know it's not him, or the only way you're going to know it is him, is if you spend enough time with him to go, that, that, that's God, and that's not God. Come on, that's good. You need to adjust the frequency. Number two is this, you need to adjust the proximity. We're talking about how to know his voice better. We need to adjust the proximity. You have to stay close to hear his voice clearly. Sheep stay close, goats wander off. Sheep stay close, goats wander off. You want to be a goat, wander off away from God. The more we wander, the more you act like a goat. You're not a goat in the kingdom of God. Shepherds don't shepherd over goats. They shepherd over sheep. And so when sheep hear the voice, it's typically because they're close enough to hear him when he calls. Where are you wandering in your life is my question. I was at SeaWorld this last week, which was a crazy idea because it was spring break and everybody was there. Everybody had this idea of going to SeaWorld on spring break. And I have, again, five kids and one's a small little baby and um, I, me and my wife. So we're seven deep going into SeaWorld and, you know, with five kids, any, any amusement park, that's kind of a lot. And, um, and so just keeping them corralled is kind of half the battle. It's kind of half the fun. And, uh, and so we're walking through SeaWorld and I was watching my son Titus walk and he wasn't paying attention. Now, have you ever noticed walking your, watching your kids when they don't pay attention, they're doing something and you know, something bad's about to happen. And sometimes, you know, I don't know if you're like this with me, but like I'm as a parent, sometimes I let it happen. Just see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> But like this time, I didn't really want him to run into a trash can. He was literally going to run into a trash can. He was enamored by the, you know, the SeaWorld attraction, you know, and there's uh, rides going along. And I'm yelling at him. I'm, now, now, listen, he's far from me. And I'm screaming at him, Titus! Titus! And he's just enamored with what's going on around him. And he's walking straight into a trash can. I'm like, and he's getting closer and closer. I'm like, Titus. At this point, I'm screaming. I'm clapping. I'm like, Titus. And again, people are everywhere. It's chaos. It is bananas. It's like, why did we choose to do this? This is a terrible idea. And I'm look, I'm screaming at him, Titus, stop. You're going to run into the tread, Titus. And sure enough, he didn't hear me. And what happened? What do you all think happened? Yeah, he ran right into that trash can. And, and, and I laughed at him because, you know, it was funny. And, and so he came back. And, and he, so he stopped and kind of shook him and he ran back to me. And I was like, and he's like, Ted, I ran into that trash can. And he's like holding his arm. And I was like, dude, I was totally trying to tell you, you're going to run into that trash can. And he goes, well, and you know what he said to me? This is kind of crazy. This is deep. He goes, he goes, I couldn't hear you because I was far away. He said, I, cu- I, couldn't, I couldn't hear you, dad. You were... I was too far from you. I, was, I, I wandered off. Now, now. You and I live in a, in a very, very SeaWorld-esque life. There's a lot of things vying for your attention. There's a lot of things. Cl- companies, you need to know this. Companies pay billions with a B of dollars just 
for your attention. Just so that when they speak, they're close enough to you that you hear them. And my question to you is, in the world that we live in, how many times do we run into the trash can? Come on. Have y'all ran into something this week? Y'all run into something you didn't see coming? Come on. Anybody else but me run into something this week that you just did not see coming? Raise your hand and tell the truth and shame the devil. Okay, good. Okay. Everybody else, y'all forgot or you're lying. That's okay. <laughs> but we run into things not because you weren't smart. Not because you didn't have your eyes open. Not because you were, you were kind of not paying... Not even because you weren't paying attention. It's really because you didn't have, you weren't close enough to God to tell you, hey, when you were run, you were, you were on your path to run into something that you weren't gonna supposed to run into, you didn't hear him because you weren't close to him. Because goats wander off, sheep stay close. How often do we do we stray from God? That if we want to know the God, this, this good shepherd, if we want to know him, we got to stay close. I'll, I'll, I'll do, I'll do one, one step close. You got to stay close to the things of God. You got to stay close to the people of God. There's a reason you come to the, to the church on Sunday. It ain't for me, just so you know. Like, I don't get, there, when, when there's people in the chairs and there's not, I, I, I don't build value on that. Because here's the problem. One day you're going to be sick, and if you're not here, and you're not that, then my, look, talk about a crazy life, right? But you don't come to church for me. You don't, hey, listen, you don't even come to church for God. You come to church for you, so that you are close to the things of God. You for, forfeit the right to say, I can't hear the voice of God when you don't come to church on a regular basis. I'm sorry. It don't work like that. When you're not close to him by being close to the things of him, it's bigger than just trying to, it's bigger than trying to just kind of be a Christian and trying to be, you know, cool. Because Christian's kind of cool sometimes, especially in Texas, like in California, like that ain't cool to be Christian. That's where I'm from, okay? It just ain't. But down here, you can kind of be cool and be Christian. We're still a little bit in the Bible Belt-ish area, right? It's kind of in vogue to be like, oh, you're Christian? Yeah, me too. Yeah, you know God, Jesus, my homeboy, cool. Yeah, great. But there's a difference between, again, we talked about it, knowing about God, knowing of God, and knowing God. Why? Because, man, we, we got to be. So if you want to hear the voice of God, you need to be in, in the church on a regular basis. You need to be in the Bible on a regular basis. You need to have communion with him on a regular basis. You need to be around the people of God on a regular basis. If you want to be close to God, you be close to the things of God. So that, why? So, so that when he calls, you know his voice. I want to know his voice. Number two is this. So that's number one. Number one is no sheep know his voice. Number two, sheep know his ways. The second characteristic, sheep know his ways. John chapter 10 says this. It says, verse four says, when he brought out all his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him. Okay, so point one was the sheep know his voice. The purpose of the sheep knowing his voice is so that they follow his ways. I'll say it again. The purpose of you knowing the voice of the shepherd is so that when he calls, you follow. Is that you know his ways, that there's a way of God that happens inside of the Christian walk that, look, somebody asked me the other day, they asked me about an opinion about a cultural matter in our, in our day right now. 
Like things that are debate, being debated on, on news shows and, and inside Facebook. And they asked me my opinion. I said, listen, my opinion doesn't matter. My opinion is based on the word of God. I'm a Bible teacher. This is the opinion that matters. So when the shepherd calls and when he makes the statement, there's no debate. Like, I just don't think, I don't live my life like that. Sorry. I just don't, I don't live like that. I, I'm a sheep. And therefore, when my shepherd calls, when he does his unique call, and when he says something about me, the point of his, me knowing his voice is so that I follow in his ways. It's not so we can have a conversation all the time. It's eventually I need to be able to do instead of just hear. Because what good is a sheep inside of a shepherd, a sheep that doesn't follow a shepherd? Then I wouldn't be a part of his flock. I want to be a part of the flock of God. The point of following his voice is to follow his ways. And one of the ways that that we do this for, that shepherds do this for sheep, is they adjust what they intake. They adjust what on the field. They adjust, listen to this, they, shepherds adjust and look out for what the sheep eat. Now, now, what's interesting about that is that a typical hillside will look something like this. This is kind of a typical hillside, basic, you know, hillside where a, a sheep would graze. And obviously you have a ton of grass and the shepherd will look out for that. And, and then they have these things called, you know, the, there's these things called dandelions. Now, what's funny about a dandelion is it looks really, really pretty. Doesn't it look pretty? It's like, that's pretty. My, my kids, they love to find dandelions, pick them and bring them to their mom. And they're like, oh, mom, yeah, we love you. And, oh, and my wife goes, oh, you know, and they, she saves them and it's weird. But anyway, so they, they like, and, uh, and the dandelion. But, you know, the dandelion looks really, really appealing, really, really pleasant, looks really, really nice. But it's a weed, the dandelion's a weed, and it actually brings no nutritional value. And the interesting thing about life is that you and I are on hillsides of the world. Come on. And, and, and you and I are being led by the shepherd, and there are times when we see things, and we're eating, and we're grazing, and the shepherd's saying, don't eat that. Don't eat that. I know it looks good. I know everyone else is eating it. I know everybody else has got like a pile of dandelions. They just be eating them, and they're just having a good old time, it seems like. I know, but don't eat that. And it's not going to help you. It's not going to fulfill. It's not profitable. It's not, it's not that even it's a sin. I'm just telling you, it's not going to be good. And I just tell you this. My question to you today would be is, what are you digesting in this world? What are you eating? And let me just say this. If your standard for what you eat is just if it's sin or if it's not, is a terrible standard. I know that sounds weird as a pastor, but that's a terrible standard. If you only say, I don't do it because it's a sin, there's a whole lot of things I don't do, not just because it's a sin, it's because it's not profitable. Because it's not good. Like, it's actually not good for me. Is it a sin to sit and watch for five hours Netflix? Look, I, I, you, you find a really religious person, they could probably find a Bible verse that means nothing and actually completely out of context and maybe show you, yeah. But let's just assume it's not. Is it still good for you to sit and watch five hours of Netflix? Come, come on. Like, probably not. You could probably do something better with your time and your life for five hours. So if sin is your only standard, that's not good enough. Is it a sin to eat a dandelion? No. Is it going to bring you any nutritional value? No. So the question you have to ask yourself, not just is it sin, that can't be the standard. Well, like, I only do it if it's not sin. That's not, that's not a good idea. If you, you need to have a vision for your life that's driven from the shepherd to know, hey, the shepherd has shown me I can eat of this grass. And you know what? There's some of the grass I'm going to eat. I'm going to eat a certain amount of it grass because even though I could eat this whole hillside, come on, I'm not going to. Because I know 
The shepherd controls, he evaluates, he leads what the sheep eats. So what are you watching right now? What are you ingesting in your life? What are you letting your eyes see? Come on, I'm going to poke you for a minute, okay? Can I be a pastor for just a second? I poked you. I told you a funny story. We laughed. Let me poke you. What, 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 are, you, what are you ingesting with your eyes? What's well, not sin, pastor? Yeah, we just talked about that's not a good That's not a good qualifier. That's the minimum qualifier for for most. That's the minimum. What are you watching? What are you listening to? What do you let your ears listen to? Well, pastor, I'm telling you, it's not a sin. We don't, I mean, we don't, you know, it's all good. Like, it's all good. Like, it's all good. Ish. What, What are you listening to? What relationship are you in right now? Come on. Who, who, who you locked up with? Who, 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 who you holding hands with? Figuratively and literally. Who, who, what, what are you ingesting? Come on, what are you ingesting in your life? What, do you, what, are, you, what are you allowing coming in? Where do you go? Where'd you go last night? Where'd you go the night before? Where, where did you go? Where do you go on a regular basis where you sit? Come on, church. You sit And while you're there, you know in your heart, man, I shouldn't be here. Man, I shouldn't be. I should. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's like that inner conviction. You don't even know the Holy Spirit works like that. A little bit of conviction in you. You're like, "Mm, I know I shouldn't be watching this movie. Mm, I know I shouldn't be listening to this. This, You know, and I I hear hear it all. I love her. amazing. She doesn't know God, but she's so amazing. She's an atheist. She hates the Lord. She doesn't like God, but I'm telling you, he's beautiful. Have you seen him? And you're like, okay, okay, okay. Let's just not even talk about whether it's sin or not, or whether it's biblical or not, but is it profitable? Is that a good idea? Should you really eat that cheeseburger at midnight? Really? What are, you, what are you ingesting? And I'm going to close with this, okay? I'm going to close with this thought. Because, because here, 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 let me just, I think as a pastor, you know, my job is, part of my job is to, to teach the Bible in a way that makes sense to you and makes sense to me. But, but the purpose of the weekend, and I say this in next steps, um, the purpose of the weekend is to fulfill our first step in our vision, which is for people to know God. It's the first step in our vision. Know God, find freedom, discover purpose, make a difference. People want to know what we're about. That's our pathway. That's what we do. That's what we do. It's not a perfect pathway. It's not a, uh, you know, the only pathway. We're not the only church. That's just our pathway. And so our purpose on the weekend, our mechanism is for people to know God. And what I found is, is that oftentimes people don't know God or don't take a step to know God, don't walk into that moment of that first step, not because they don't love Jesus, but because it hasn't been presented to them in a way that makes sense to them. Or they know this Jesus, or they've heard about this Jesus in a way that's false. Somebody told you about Jesus. You heard a story about Jesus. You heard something about Jesus from someone else who told you the wrong story of Jesus. You watched something that was wrong and inaccurate about who Jesus was, and now it affected your ability to know 
him for yourself. It affected your ability to take a step from knowing about God to knowing him. And I'll read just a quick story uh, from a book called They Smell Like Sheep. Uh, it's one of the leadership books that I was talking to you about. <clears throat> and it, it tells a story about what I'm talking about. And if you're in here right now, okay, just this is a holy moment. Please don't move. Don't get up. Don't want, this is important. I, I want you to just, just, just give me three minutes. If you're in here right now and you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've never known God, if you've never took that moment where you actually know in your heart that you don't just know about God, you're not just religious, you haven't just jumped through some of those hoops, you don't know him relationally, you don't gnosko him, you haven't had a personal firsthand experience, if you haven't done that yet, this might be the reason. The, the story goes uh, by a man named Lynn Anderson. He says, several years ago in Palestine, Caroline and I rode a tour bus through Israel's countryside, nearly mesmerized as the tour guide explained the scenery, the history, and the lifestyle. In his description, he included a heartwarming portrayal of the ancient shepherd-sheep relationship. He talked on how the shepherd builds a relationship with his sheep, how he feeds them, he gently cares for them. He pointed out that the shepherd doesn't drive the sheep, but he leads them, and that the shepherd does not need to be harsh with them because they hear his voice and they follow. Okay, So he hears his, they hear his voice and they follow. In the midst of spinning his tail, he suddenly realized he had lost his audience. They were all staring out at a bus window at a guy chasing a herd of sheep. He was throwing rocks at them, whacking them with sticks, sicking them sheepdogs on them. The sheep driving man in the field had torpedoed the guide's story. The guide got so agitated that he jumped off the bus, ran into the field, and, and screamed at the man. And he said this, don't you understand what you've just done to me? I was telling them about the gentle ways of the shepherd, and here you are mistreating them, you're hazing them, you're assaulting them. What is going on? And for a moment, a bewildered look on the froze on the face of the poor sheep chaser. And then the light dawned on him, and he blurted out, man, you got me all wrong. I'm not a shepherd. I'm a butcher. He says, I'm not a shepherd. I'm a butcher. John 10 says this in verse 7. He says, So Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And in verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus is not a butcher. Jesus is a shepherd. Jesus is not a butcher. Jesus is a shepherd. Jesus is not a butcher. Jesus is a shepherd. Jesus is not a butcher. Jesus is a shepherd. I'm just going to keep saying it until you really hear what I'm saying. Jesus is not a butcher. Jesus is a shepherd. Jesus is not mad at you. Jesus is not trying to hit you with rocks. He's not trying to whack you with sticks. Jesus is not sicking his angel dogs on you. Jesus is not a butcher. Jesus is a shepherd. He desires to lay his life down for you because he's the door. And shepherds would lay in the pen of the shepherd, uh, the sheep herd, and they would lay, the, sh the shepherds would lay at the doorway so nothing could get through without the shepherd's approval. He would lay down his life. Danger, danger would, would, would attack him before they would get into the sheep herd pen. Jesus is not a butcher. He's a shepherd. And he loves you so much. And you've heard your whole life that Jesus, you've heard the description of a butcher. We've heard the description of the evil and the anger of God. 
the hatred of God and all the evil, ugly things of God, that he's waiting to hurt you. He's waiting to butcher you. He's waiting for you to do something wrong. Come on, just give him a chance. Let, let him show you. Jesus is not a butcher. He said, I am the good. What did he say? I'm the good shepherd, which means he wants to lay his life down for you, which means that this moment right now in the holiness of all that it is, my desire for you is that you would know God so that you can follow in his ways because Jesus is not a butcher. He's a shepherd.